Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'm delighted, I've been la-di-da-din Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top Man, these boys, they be potting I trust them like a lot And they told me that I get it Guess what? I got it You should do it too You will never lose If you ever do Must have been a ruse Ricky, that's my dude Stoops are super cool Sharks up in the pool I've been sparking up my tools I've been looking to win Spend a little again I've been for spittle to them My God, I riddled again I told them stop clowning around They said what goes up comes down I said I'm down with the sickness My team stay ill now Come get this I'm just so dead with delight I stay ready tonight Deep dive, we rise That's the medley, alright David Delight David Delight Da-da-da, da-da-da Da-da, David Delight Hey! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Debbie Delight, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we're going to continue on with our like, love, and avoid, but we're going to tackle the wide receiver position, which is my co-host and partner's favorite position to talk about. Stoops, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good. I was making sure my mic wasn't muted, even though we just got done talking. Anyway, um, I'm good. Yes, excited um, to talk about some receivers. Um, definitely, definitely enjoy, you know, watching, watching the film on them, looking at the numbers, kind of breaking them down a little bit more. So, um, definitely excited to, there's actually one guy I'm really excited to talk about because I actually haven't heard, actually, I haven't heard anybody talk about him. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to be the only one, but I just haven't seen a huge chunk um, of people talk, talk about this guy. So definitely excited to break him, break him down. But, um, yeah, going to be fun and i know one of the guys i'm going to talk about is going to be eh, i guess you could say controversial but i've already said it once so i'm just going to be saying it again so oh i plan on getting a little spicy on this week's episode Ooh. so my my avoid is going to be very very spicy and i'm i'm here for the recourse the rebuttals the yelling the screaming whatever you want to call it whenever you know if it if it happens it's going to happen it happens Pro- all the time for us probably literally um, for me, this week, we're going to kick it off, obviously, with the wide receivers. Let's go. Yeah, we'll just do like. We'll do like, avoid, and then love like we did or have been. And I'll let you kick us off with your like, Stoops. So my like um, is Amari Rogers out of Clemson. 5'10", 210. Um, shifty guy, right? He, he's able to get it done. And the thing is, and I say this with all due respect, he hasn't done much until this year. He's kind of been that role guy. He knows his role. He goes out there. He gets it done. But this year, he became a much larger focal point of that offense. In the 12 games this year, 77 receptions, 1,020 yards, seven touchdowns. Solid numbers. Love to see that, right? Obviously, with, um, with Justin Ross not playing, obviously, Rodgers had to step up. Um, he, he's, he's definitely the, the guy in that receiving receiving room. So when you look at previous years, I'm um, just real quick, 2017, 
only had 19 receptions, 123 yards, 18, 55 receptions, 575. And 2019, 30 receptions, 426. So again, very much a role guy, knew it, went out and accepted it and did what he needed to do and his time came. And that's stuff you really like to see, um, at least I do, um, where, where guys understand what their role is. They're still getting involved and they just want to be a part of a winning team and do what they need to do to make that happen. So love seeing that from him. Went and looked basically at his career versus top 25 opponents. I just broke it down by year, not so much. Actually, I did break it down by their individual opponents, and I'll kind of get into that sort of a little bit. But overall, 17, um, 17 total games against uh, top 25 opponents, 57 receptions, 595 yards, only had the one touchdown, but 10.5 oh, – sorry, 10.4 um, yards per reception there. So – Definitely like seeing that. At least he's getting that 10 yards, you know, getting that first down mark averaged um, on, on every, every aspect there. When I looked at his, his field position stats, right, he is not utilized in the red zone. That's not really what he was used um, to do or what he was expected to do this year um, at Clemson. So basically, when you look at the, their own 20 to 39-yard line, 26 receptions, 276 yards, and then between the 40s, he had 21 receptions for 244 yards. He had two touchdowns combined in those right there. That's where he's used. He's used to get out of – basically get their backs away from the end zone and get down the field up until that kind of close to the, the red zone mark. And then they kind of go other routes with like Etienne and, and some other guys, Powell, you know, Lawrence running the ball, whoever. They, they kind of move that ball around. Um, and then I looked at it more so based on this season. I did break it down the other years, but when you look at the top opponents that he played against this year, first game against Notre Dame, eight receptions, 134 receiving yards, no touchdowns, but 134 receiving yards, Notre Dame again, eight receptions, 121 receiving yards, one touchdown. Then you look at it against Ohio state. We saw the game. We know how it ended up. But eight receptions, 54 yards, right? So his yardage went down, but he stayed consistent with those eight receptions. So he's getting the ball. It's just that Ohio State defense, they played lights out. We've said it. It was just one of those, those you know, not once-in-a-lifetime games because they do have elite talent. But it was just an awesome, awesome game from them. But nonetheless, when you look at his performance versus those top 25 opponents, he's getting it done. They're getting the ball into his hands. He's not crumbling, right? He, he's, he's making it happen. So – Definitely loved seeing that. And a couple notes I've got on him. Um, again, had a slow start to his college career as far as that stats, but he's just a role guy. So that just kind of, to me, without truly knowing the ins and outs of it, it just kind of seems like he's a team guy, right? Yeah, he wants to have the stats. Everyone does. He wants to go out there and perform highly. But he also understands, hey, this is what my role is expected to be. This is what I'm going to do, right? And now, hey, it's my time. I'm going to shine. I'm going to show everyone what I can do. And he did that. And a big, big thing – I think his cost for fantasy drafts is going to be so low. And I say that in the sense of mid to late second, probably with a good draft, you know, um, uh, draft, um, like a draft process. And from what I've understood, he hasn't declared, I haven't seen it yet. So I think he's still one that's, you know, kind of, kind of wavering about it, but if he does go through it, I think he can definitely rise up, but I don't see him going, you know, earlier than any second round in a, in a fantasy draft. And I would snatch him up all day, every day in a second round, right? Um, I think his ability uh, his ability to adjust to the ball is, is just crazy. I was watching some film on him. 
whether it's obviously if it's a perfect pass, he just runs underneath it, but he's able to contort his body, move around, make catches, sure handed, man. He just gets it done. Um, and it also helps, you know, that he had the, he, he's got the number one overall pick, obviously, in this draft throw into him. And then he also had the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. So he's got two elite quarterbacks that have been throwing him the ball um, in some fashion. So I'm a huge fan of Amari Rogers. I don't think he's being talked up enough. Um, I think being in Clemson, it's kind of one of those – what's the – I can't think of the right way to word it. But um, basically there's just so much talent there at all times. You kind of get lost in it. Not really, but it's one of those things where you can go out and have 150 yards and two touchdowns and like, oh, my God, you're the guy. But then the next two to three weeks, it's ETN. It's Lawrence running a lot. It's it's Powell. It's just they're, they're all over and God. It's everyone, right? So – I think it's kind of a, I say this downside, obviously it's not a downside to play for Clemson, but to not be that, that focal point, you know, and talked about week after week, after week, after week, I think you kind of start getting lost in the, you know, the, the other guys as well. But Amari Rogers is definitely someone who's, who's proven his abilities. He's waited his time. It came, he showed, and he's able to get it done. So I think the price you can get him in, in one, just Debbie leagues trading for him. Um, or even upcoming, you know, rookie drafts when that time comes around to draft him, assuming he does declare, um, you're going to be able to get him at a, an awesome price. And I think you're going to get an awesome player for it. So definitely someone to watch, keep an eye on, look at his numbers, watch his film. You'll see all the abilities there. So it's going to be interesting to see what he decides though, for sure. He reminds you of like my guy, obviously. I, I'm not going to talk about him this week. I kind of he's one of the guys I do love in this draft but I've talked about him a lot is Terrace Marshall Jr. I think he's another one that's kind of being overlooked um I just think because they had a bad season but he had a monster season and he's just people are just and then of course you have Jameer Chase as well you know what I mean like Chase is still being in this draft class just because he didn't play but he was just like um him in, in stepping up to the plate somebody not nobody got hurt but Chase left Marshall stepped up realized what he was capable of doing the same way that you know Rodgers did with you know, Ross being gone. So my guy that I like this week is Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I really feel like he's a guy that people are starting to finally come around and talk a lot about. You know what I mean? I've seen a lot of chatter with him once the season was ended. But I think that like what we talked about last week with the Pac-12, it's you don't hear a lot about the Pac-12 during the season there's a lot more postseason activity on some of these guys when people actually go back. And like you said, not everybody can, you know, stay up till two, three in the morning to watch these Pac-12 games. And they were a little bit earlier, like you talked about last week. But this year alone, I do like what he's done. You know what I mean? 2019, 13, you know, 13 games, 77 catches, 1,042 yards, 13.5 yards per catch, six touchdowns. They did give him the ball uh, rushing as well, seven carries for 80 yards. I did like the fact that they do get him involved in all aspects of the game. 2020, um, very solid season, 41, 478 yards per catch came down almost two yards. And, but then he did have the seven touchdowns in the sixth game. Now that did come with one monster game, but there's a few things that I really liked about him this year. Um, in the six games that he played, he had 10 catches in one, seven and three, five and two, right? So he consistently had five or more catches in every game. Now, the big game was against Washington State. He had seven catches, 65 yards, and four touchdowns. He had a four-touchdown game, which was a monster. Obviously, a monster game. You know what I mean? you just catching four touchdowns. And the funny thing about it is 
all four uh, all four touchdowns came in the first quarter. Okay, first quarter. Now he's catching it from the goat, so that you know that comes into the factor as well. Keaton Slavis, but you know he had one from seven, twenty-two, four, and two. He had five. Five of his seven touchdown catches this year came in the red zone. Something that we love to see, obviously. Um, something we talk up on the show a lot. You know, the red zone, you know, stats matter. He's only 6'1", 195. He's not that big of a guy. So he's got the five uh, red zone touchdowns, even though he's not your prototypical 6'5", 6'6", guy that you want in the red zone. And I think that's the NFL is kind of getting away from that, right? You know what I mean? I don't think mm-hmm. it's, you know, obviously it's important to have the big bodies in the red zone, but I don't think you have to be that 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", guy to be getting double-digit uh, targets in the red zone anymore. They're They're just... I think, and I think that's also a testament to the way the NFL is changing, but also because you're having these guys in the pocket that move, which get these guys open. You know what I mean? They slide from here left to right. Um, they extend the plays, and then they're capable of throwing the ball and finding a guy that's wide open. It doesn't matter the size. But over the last three games of the season, which is where his seven touchdowns did come from, over the last uh, three games, he had 22 catches, 212 yards, and seven touchdowns again including that fourth touchdown game he's a five-star prospect I think people forget about that as well he's a five this kid is a stud he's athletic great body control he's got agility can excel on all three routes right short intermediate deep he can beat you no matter where he is in the football field he's got excellent hand-eye coordination uh, which obviously comes including with you know having very stellar hands I think this is going to be he's going to be a star somewhere he's going to be a PPR dream right I think this is a guy we're going to see average four or five you know, or more catches per game. He's going to get the 50. He's going to have, you know, maybe double digits fantasy points each and every week once he settles into the next level. Um, I really like uh, Ross St. Brown. He's one of those guys that I'm targeting um, every which way I can. Um, and I think this is one of those guys that if you're in one of those Debbie leagues that, you know, you have it, you've already drafted, you've already got your Debbie guys. I think you target him now um, before his stock rises more and more because the more people do deeper dives on this guy, they're going to realize that this guy's talent is in same so that's my light guy for the week stoops i like it i like it uh you know what let's change it up let's we're, we're, we're gonna avoid i'm ready to break the i'm ready to break the podcast i'm gonna have people turn it off before i talk about my love so let's go avoid. Yep. all right so my avoid um is rondell moore i'm just gonna get out and say it kind of talked about him before got to it on, on Twitter with a couple guys in a respectful way, which is always nice having respectful debates, like seeing that. But anyway, Rondell Moore. And for me, honestly, it has nothing to do with the ability that he has on the field because we've seen it when he's out there, he is getting it done. Right. Freshman year, 13 games, 114 receptions, 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns go to 19 Four games, 29 receptions, 387, two touchdowns. Now, he did obviously have that injury. That's what caused him to miss the rest of that season. He come into this year. Played three games, 35 receptions, 270 yards, no touchdowns. He was dealing with injuries again, right? It took him a couple games, a couple, you know, a couple weeks to get even into a game. And it just seemed – it was one of those where a lot of people kept coming at me and saying, well – he was healthy last year, but the team just wasn't doing very well, so they just held him out. That's great. I understand that. But if he was healthy, why, why didn't he start this year healthy, right? Oh, because he was dealing with another injury. So it's just one of those, and I'm not, I'm not trying to label him injury-prone. I, I promise I'm not trying to do that. But 
my concern is the fact that since his freshman year, he's only played seven total games and he only has two touchdowns and quick math is just over 600 receiving yards, right? He's got over half uh, amount less of receiving yards than he did in that one season. So the ability's there, right? If he stays healthy and he's on the field, he is going to be an amazing talent. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. But for me, that's the reason I'm avoiding him on top of the fact that so many people are still so high on him. His cost is going to be unbelievable. He's still going to go in the first round. I know he will. He's still going to go in the first round. And I would rather have, obviously, Bateman, Chase, Smith, Waddle at receiver. I'd rather have Etienne, Harris, Gainwell. Those are seven guys right there that I would rather have. And, that's, and this is talking non-superflex, which even in a superflex, I'd rather have those guys. But even in a non-superflex draft format, that's pushing um, more down to the 108. And personally, I would still rather take Lawrence, Fields, Trask even. I know I'm a, y'all know I'm a huge Trask guy. I would rather take all three of those guys over more at this point, right? So I, I just, for me, it's, it's that injury concern on top of the cost that it's still going to take to get him. But when you look at his numbers, like I said, in 2018, it was a phenomenal year for him. I mean, you look at the quarter breakdown, he's getting involved in every single quarter. First quarter, 31 receptions, 309. Second quarter, 33 receptions, 396. Third quarter, 33 receptions, 351. Fourth quarter, 16 receptions, 187. He's averaging 11.0 yards per, per catch on all of those there. 12 touchdowns, like I said. His performance versus top opponents. When they played Boston College, he was number 23 at the time. Eight receptions, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Um, when they played, um, I think it was Ohio State, 12 receptions, um, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Against number 16, Iowa at the time, six receptions, 31 yards. That's his worst game there. But top opponents, he's getting it done. So it has nothing to do with his ability, right? I'm not questioning that. It's just when will he be on the field? How long will he be on the field? Am I going to get one game out of him for a season? Am I going to get 16? What am I going to get out of him until I see him? I might be overly cautious, and I am guilty of doing this, where I'll push guys off to the side, and I'll trade for them later. I might have to overpay to get them. Like, for example, I know I'm going to a different position, but like with Kyler Murray, I didn't think he was going to do much. I didn't think he was going to be, you know, a fantasy-relevant guy. I was wrong on it. I traded for him in leagues, and I had to overpay for it. That's just something I have to deal with, right? I would rather, as weird as it sounds, take that chance than spend a first-round pick on a guy that I'm just not totally sold on, and then I could have got someone else that did. or you know, I don't know. So that's my viewpoint on it. Um, I know that that is a very unpopular opinion, um, and that's okay. I think some people have kind of started to come around in that same mindset, but it's definitely more people are still, he's a first round guy. He's elite talent, which he is. But for me, it's just the, the price with the injury history that he's got going on. Um, so hopefully he can get right. Hopefully he can, he can turn things around and just stay on the field because if he does, he will be a fantasy relevant guy. I'm just not sold on, on the first round grade um, fantasy wise at this point to spend that type of capital. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I tweeted out something before this podcast, a little bit spicy, and I'll bring it up whenever I talk about my guy. But uh, speaking of spicy, my avoid's going to – I literally have one sentence written down about my avoid. 
and I have a very solid reasoning behind my avoid, but my avoid's Devontae Smith. And my reasoning is the price is way too high. I'm sorry. Look, I, I'm not saying Devontae Smith is not good. I'm not saying Devontae Smith might not produce. I'm just saying that there is four or five other receivers I would rather have in this class than overpay for a guy that I think was the second best receiver. He would not have won the Heisman if Waddle stays healthy. First off, I don't think he deserved the Heisman either. Najee Harris did. But that's a different conversation for a different day. I'll have an argument about that. I think Kyle Trask did, but what do I know? Exactly. I'm just kidding. I I think I might have even given it to Mac Jones before I would have given it to Devontae Smith. Okay? It's nothing against Devontae Smith. Talented guy. I'm not taking him with the first five picks of any draft, period. He's not better than Chase. I don't believe that. He's not better than Chase. I don't think he's better than Waddle. Okay? I understand Waddle got hurt. Okay? I know that. Who very well could. Well, go ahead. But Waddle is – I think Waddle's better. I, I, I've had Waddle my number two receiver in this class since the beginning of the season. I will not – I'm not changing that because of the injury. Devontae Smith is overpriced right now. And to be honest with you, if you're in a deadly league and you can trade him for, for the farm, trade him for the farm. Okay? Landing spot's going to be determined on whether or not I even approach him. In, I'm not going to draft this guy in the first round. Period. He's going to probably be the first wide receiver taken off the board because we're, we're the prisoner of the moment, which I understand from time to time we can be prisoners of the moment. We have been that. We've done that on this very much show, and I understand that. But Devontae Smith is not a top five receiver in this class to me. He's not. And, I, and I'll argue with anybody in the, in the moon about this. I'm not saying he didn't produce, but how many guys have produced on the college football level that did not translate to the NFL? Not saying he won't translate but the price is high. Just like you said with Moore, the price is too high. That's the reason why he's on my avoid list and he's going to stay on my avoid list. Will I be, you know, week one, will he go for 10, 200 and prove me wrong? Possibly. But I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm staying away from Devontae Smith. It's just what it is. I think that people have to take that into consideration too. A lot of times, so, and this is what's so crazy about fantasy. You've got to look at your roster, right? And the thing is, receivers are so much more deep than the running backs, even the quarterbacks, right? You can wait on certain receivers, and you can get a a St. Brown. You can get even a Sage Surratt. Like, you can get other guys later that is again landing spot dependent could potentially put up the same type of numbers right there the list goes on with it but it's just one of those where now there are certain guys that you're going to spend that first half of your first round like if you have a 10 anywhere between obviously 101 to 105 dependent on superflex non-superflex etc there are certain receivers that you'll you'll spend that capital on um but you you could honestly let's just say you're set at running back, right? You can take the receiver early, cool. Or you can get with someone who wants to trade up to the 103, 104, trade down to the 108, gain a second round pick. And now you can get still one of the top, you know, receivers or something like that. And you gained a a second round pick for the current draft. So you got to play that aspect of it. Now, unless you truly just believe in a guy and his landing spot's awesome, 
draft them, take them, go for it. But yeah, there's just certain times where the cost doesn't necessarily outweigh the the risk, I guess you could say. And they're all everyone we draft is a risk. We don't know what's going to happen, but um yeah, man, the the cost is is something that definitely I think a lot of people don't really take truly into consideration. Um as I say, I'm one who will overpay later down the road if I need to, but at least at that point, I know what I'm paying for. I know what I'm getting, right? And, and, and the thing about it is, is, is you're right. Like, look at this year. You know what I mean? Justin Jefferson outproduced every wide receiver mm-hmm. taken. We talked about rugs. I felt the same way about rugs. Rugs was over, you know, overdrafted. And, you know, long game, he might be long game. He might be all right. You know what I mean? This is one year he did battle injuries. It was the offseason. I would say maybe buy low on rugs if you're able to. But I just, I, I, I just don't, I don't buy the price. And that to me is, is when I'm drafting a first rounder, I want a guy that I believe is going to produce day one and I believe is going to be set up for the next five years. And, and I can't do that. You know, I've seen Smith, man, these are so high. People have wide receiver one. They're out of their minds. You want to know who I think you need to go buy right now? LaVisca Chenault. Oh, 100%. He's about to have the quarterback. Everybody's buying DJ Chark. Buy Chenault instead. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Anyway. Now that I'm off my rant, <laughs> transition to love. So this is the guy that I'm super excited to talk about. Um, Jalen Darden out of North Texas. 5'9", 174. Not a big guy, right? Not a big guy. When you watch his film, he plays bigger than that. Now, I don't mean that in the sense of he's going to outjump you in the red zone. He's not going to necessarily do that. However, this man's footwork, his speed, his hands, everything about his game, right, is just phenomenal. He has improved every single year that he's been on the field. 2017, played eight games, 32 receptions, 281 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Moved to 18, 13 games, 46 receptions, 567, four touchdowns. 2019, 12 games, 76 receptions, 736, 12 touchdowns. Now you move to 2020, a shortened season, nine games, 74 receptions, 1,190 receiving yards, 19 touchdowns. He is the offense. Let's just say that. Right. At 5'9", 174, he is the offense. You look at the touches by quarter, they're getting him involved every single quarter. First quarter, 17 receptions, 298, two touchdowns. Second quarter, 25 receptions, 421, six touchdowns. Third quarter, 18 receptions, 285, six touchdowns. Fourth quarter, 14 receptions, 186, five touchdowns. You look at the field position. He's getting it all over the field, right? You look once you start getting closer to the red zone, his reception total isn't all that high. Once you're inside the red zone, there's so basically more 19 yard line and in seven receptions, 73 yards, five touchdowns. Inside the nine yard line to the goal, four receptions, 19 yards, three touchdowns. Eight, eight touchdowns on 11 receptions. Like he's getting in the end zone, he's finding the, the end zone. I'm sorry, he's, he's just getting it done in every aspect, right? When you look at the down and distance performance, first down, 32 receptions, 505 um, receiving yards, eight touchdowns on first down. Second, second down, 23 receptions, 404, seven touchdowns. Third down, 17 receptions, 263 for four touchdowns. Man, 
it's watching his film. It's just so fun to watch. I actually watched. So when I watch the film, I try and find the games, right? Try and find the games, kind of watch them individually. I try and avoid the highlights because you only see obviously the top um, plays that they have, but I came across one and it was a highlight. It was 13 minutes long. I don't usually watch past about four or five minutes because I kind of want to move on to the next thing. He is so fun to watch. I watched every single second of it, right? It's his ability when the ball is in his hands, he makes people miss. He's one, how I said with, with some of the running backs, you're not going to arm tackle this guy, right? Even at 5'9", 174, you are not going to arm tackle him. He's going to make you miss. His footwork is, is like I said, it, it's phenomenal. And I talk about this all the time. If he goes and works with the footwork king, man, his footwork, he's just going to take him to the next level, right? Obviously, you'd have to set up those training sessions and figure all that out. But his, just, his, his ability when the ball is in his hands, it's, it's phenomenal. If he finds the right landing spot and a team – does utilize him in the way that he's able to be used it's going to be scary I think if a team uses so the way that Kansas City now that whole offense is just unbelievable right that's always been a high-powered offense once Andy Reid's there and so on and so forth but if they if an offense uses Darden the way that Tyreek Hill is used with his speed his ability to make people miss right get him get him the ball within five yards let him make it happen Darden's going to be a guy that can truly be fantasy relevant um he is one, I promise you, you can wait until whatever the last round of your rookie draft is. And that's no disrespect to Darden. It's just no one's really talking about him. And he went to North Texas. So it's that same type of thing. Well, who did he play, right? He didn't play any against anybody. Okay, cool. But he still had almost 1,200 receiving yards and 19 touchdowns. Like, you have to go do that. So it's one of those where you can get him in the last round of your, your draft, your fantasy uh, rookie drafts. Assuming, again, he's one that hasn't declared. He is a senior, but he has that extra year where he can technically come back if he wants to. I personally think it's time that he goes and, and, and tests the waters at the NFL, but he'll get his grades. He'll figure that out, but um, see where, he, where he's you know rated out. But, man, he's a guy that I, I'm going to want to snatch up everywhere I possibly can. Um, huge fan. You just got to watch this. It's fun to watch. There's certain guys – where you watch it and it's not so much flashy, but you're like, man, that, that guy's, that guy's got talent. This guy's got talent and it's flashy. Like it's just fun to watch. And he's, he's got a special type of um, attitude to him where he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's even said it right. You know, you're too small. You're too small. You can't get this. So he plays with that chip on his shoulder and it's, it's showing when you watch his game film. So Jalen Darden, definitely a guy to, to watch and keep an eye on for sure. I like it. That's a curveball about curveballs. I like it. I, yeah, yeah. I like when Stoops throws curveballs in the episodes. The best right. curveball I've thrown yet. <laughs> the next guy I want to talk about, he was a top 25 recruit. Now listen to this class, right, a couple years ago. You had uh, Justin Shorter, Terrence, Terrence Marshall Jr., Mon Ross St. Brown, Justin Ross, Jalen Waddell, Anthony Shorts, Brendan Eagles. He was ranked higher than Rondell Moore and Jameer Chase. And that's a lot of more. Mm. Before the show started, I tweeted out and said, a lot more is the best more in this draft class. I do believe that. I will stand by that. And I do believe that he is better than Rondell Moore. Now let's go ahead and look at the numbers here. All right, 2019, 12 games, 60 
seven catches, 850 yards, six touchdowns, 12.7 yards per catch. Now, obviously, this was prior to the season. We knew the numbers were going to go up, right? The passing numbers were going to go up for this team, and they very much did. Okay, in eight games this year, eight. Now, remember, I told you, last year, 67 catches in 12 games. He had 86 catches this year in eight games. 86 catches, 1,193 yards, and eight touchdowns. Folks, 86 catches in eight games. All right, so that's an average about 10 a game, which, you know, I'll get to in just a second here. But obviously his uh, yards per catch went up uh, 1.2 yards per catch, which is nice to see. Now let's go ahead and dive into some of these games, okay? 10 or more catches in every single game but one. The one game against Auburn, he had five catches, 16 yards in the touchdown. So that was just a, a weird anomaly of a week. Um, compared to the rest of the weeks. But still, I mean, if you look at that fantasy revelation, that's still double-digit fantasy points. But he had three games of which he had 10-plus catches and 200-plus yards. 10 for 227 against Florida. 14 for 238 against Vanderbilt with three touchdowns. And then he followed that up with 13 for 225, two touchdowns against South Carolina. Now, over the last three games of the season, you know, quick math here. He had about 650 yards on uh, 39 catches and five touchdowns. Again, completely absurd stats, right? You know, this guy was catching balls left and right. He had games of 10 catches, 10 catches, 11, 11, 14, 13, 12. Insane. All right, against top 25 schools, 21, 370, average 17.6 yards per catch. Two games against the top 25 this year. Obviously, one of those games was against Florida. And then the other was against Alabama. Alabama game, he did produce 11-143, which is very impressive against a team that has a very good defense. Moore is super impressive in the red zone. Six catches, four touchdowns. They love to see that as well. And obviously, like we've talked about, Moore, 5'9", 185. Not exactly the biggest guy in the draft. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Still catching balls in the red zone. You love to see it. I mean, it's just what it is. Um, there's another few things that I like about him. Moore could be an intermediate starter in the slot. Okay. The moment this man is drafted, I do believe he's going to be capable of starting right out the gate. He can catch the short range with amazing yards after the catch. He's a change, uh, chain mover with the intermediate range. And then of course he's the deep ball threat as well. We saw touchdowns of 36, 28, 25, and 91 yard touchdown catch as well in a game, which was a very, very impressive uh, uh, play by him, which I just was blown away by. Another thing that I like this year is they got the ball in his hand. He had 14 carries this year for 64 yards. Uh, another thing that I really like. I, I love Moore a whole lot. I think that we're not talking about him enough. I do think that he's going to be a second-round talent that with a very, very good um, all-season, we could see him slide possibly in the bottom half of the first round. But he's definitely going to be a second-round guy. I mean, there's, there's so many different landing spots where he will just plug and play. He's one of the receivers that I think that can play on any team across the board. Lajay Moore is my guy. I love this kid. I love watching him. Watch the game tape on this. It just, he blows my mind consistently with his consistent ability. And like I said, this year, they threw the ball a lot, but this guy consistently impressed me all over the football field. And that's the thing that I like. You got to be able to catch the ball all over the football field. Short, intermediate. He, he's, he's, a, he's one of those guys you can run the... Um, a screen, take it to the house. You know what I mean? You can run the short intermediate. You need a first down, throw him the ball. You need a deep throw, throw him the ball. You know what I mean? That's the type of receiver that you like to watch. That's the type of receiver that you want on your football team. And I think Elijah Moore is going to produce on Sundays 
And I think there's no better time than now to keep an eye out for this guy because his stock is only going to rise as we continue on with this offseason and more people watch how impressive of a season he really did have. So, yeah. I like it. I like it. There's, it's just there, – there's, there's so many – we say this every year, every year. <laughs> we do. This is the best class. This is the best class. Look at this guy, you know. But, but there's just so many guys that – that can then can get it done right yeah. and there's always the guys that come out of nowhere right yeah we, you know he he was one that people knew of but it's just when they have certain years like it's it puts you on a different level um yeah it, it, that's why they play the game exactly and that's the thing that's the most impressive about him it's just watching him is is it's it blows my mind you know what i mean he's so good he's so good and i think that we're we're in for a treat to watch him on the next level and i'm excited to see what he does all right, folks, do us a favor. Head on over to Twitter. Give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. Give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. Make sure to uh, like and subscribe wherever you're listening to so that we're uh, dropped into your ears each and every week. Uh, thank you so much for the continued support of the show. Make sure to head on over to the uh, Music City Drive-In to check out all the rest of the shows on the Drive-In Podcast Network that are great to listen to anywhere from the Fantasy Football Roundtable to um, the now showing podcast the film optics and thanks for so much for tuning in and until next time we'll talk to you guys later see y'all later sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.